This morning, uh, I would like to speak directly to us as men. Now, ladies, this is not, don't, don't have to shut down on me because, you know, uh, as I look over there, Elena, you know, you have two sons who you want to see become men, right? So listen very carefully to what I say and then reinforce it at home, okay, gentlemen? <laughs> and you too, you don't want to grow up and marry some slouch, right? You want to marry a really solid, godly individual, a man who's a real man, right? Yeah, the good answer is yes, otherwise you're in trouble. So uh, this message is really geared for the guys. Gentlemen, doesn't matter how old we are, this message is geared toward you, but for the purpose of benefiting all those around us, especially the women in our lives, whether they are our mothers or our wives or our sisters or anybody else. I'm going to begin, we're going to be in uh, the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is going to be our text. So if you want to turn, I have to tell you, one of the side benefits of having a detached retina and having loss of sight is that now I can read from the Pew Bible. <laughs> okay. So you always want to look for a silver lining, some kind of positive out of a negative. So we're on page 1,140. So make sure you follow along with me in your text as we go through this. I want to begin, though. I've got a, an illustration I want to read. There's two parts to it. I want to begin with the first part. This is a statement. It's really an article by a fellow named William J. Bennett, who is a conservative, but he has some really good things to say about men. And the title is, Have We Forgotten How to Raise Boys into Men? Fashioning men has never been easy. But today it seems particularly tough. Boys need heroes to embody the everlasting qualities of manhood, honor, duty, valor, and integrity. Without such role models, boys will naturally choose perpetual childhood over the rigors of becoming a man. As many women, teachers, coaches, employers, and adults in authority can quickly attest to today. And if you don't believe this, just go Google all this online on your own. Too many boys and men waste time in pointless and soulless activities, unmindful of their responsibilities, uncaring in their pursuits. Have we forgotten how to raise men? How to lead our boys into manhood? In William J. Bennett's book, The Book of Man, he tries to chart a clearer course, offering a positive, encouraging, uplifting, realized idea of manhood, redolent of history and human nature and practical for contemporary life. For boys to become men, they need to be guided through advice, habit, instruction, example, and correction. It is true in all ages. Someone once characterized the two essential questions Plato posed as, who teaches the children, and what do we teach them? Who teaches the children, and what do we teach them? Actually, the answer today is what? The Internet teaches our children. And what does it teach them? Mostly garbage. When the older generation fails to properly teach the younger males and females, but the focus is on guys today, all right, coming behind them, trouble surely follows. Today, for the first time in history, men, are you paying attention now? Today, for the first time in history, women are better educated than men more ambitious and arguably more successful than men. Society has rightly celebrated the ascension of women. We said, yo, you go, girl, and they went. 
So it's not, that, it's not bad for women to be doing well. That's good for women to be doing well. You know, I was talking with Monique. I said, go for graduate school. Absolutely. We praise the rise of women. What will we do about what appears to be the very real decline of men? It's great that women are doing great. But folks, men are beginning to sink. The data shows that there is trouble with men today. In 1970, men earned 60% of all college degrees. In 1980, the figure fell to 50-50. Makes sense. That is 50% of the people basically are male, 50% female. By 2006, it was 43%. Men getting college degrees, only 43% of men. Women now surpass men in college degrees by almost three to two. So women are getting three college degrees for every male getting two. Women's earnings grew 44% from 1970 to 2000 compared with 6% growth for men. Some of that makes sense because women are going to college getting better jobs. In 1950, 5% of men at the prime working age were unemployed. This is a statistic to pay attention to. 5% of men in 1950 were unemployed in their prime. Today, 20% are not working. All right? Now, today, it's been a few years, but you know what? It's, it, this is a real problem I remember hearing about. Men are more in the trades. Men are not going and getting college degrees. Where are a lot of the new jobs? College degrees. Unemployment among males is higher than females when you look at the, at the, the, the same age brackets. Perhaps most worrisome are the cultural indicators. Men are more distant from a family or their children than they have ever been. The out-of-wedlock birth rate is over 40%. Can I read that one more time? The out-of-wedlock birth rate is over 40% in America. For every 10 children born, four are born outside of marriage. In 1960, only 11% of children in the U.S. lived apart from their fathers. In 2010, that share had risen to 27%. Men are also less religious than ever before. According to Gallup polling, 39% of men reported attending a congregation of any kind regularly in 2010 compared to 47% of women. But you don't need numbers. Just ask young women about men today. And you're likely to hear how many believe their male counterparts are more like male children refusing to grow up. Too many young women today are asking, where are the good single men? Contemporary men exhibit a maturity deficit and are in danger of falling further behind the more well-adjusted women of today. You know in the African-American community, this is, there's, there's actual reports on this that I have read and there's studies. African-American women are so far outpacing African-American men, they're not even bothering to marry them. <laughs> they realize that they have to marry with parity, and they marry non-blacks, or they marry out of the African-American community because they realize that most of those guys are not cutting the mustard. That's amazing. And so in our time especially, there is a need for guidance and the important role of men for boys is a particularly acute need. Of course, there are successes. Every day, great boys are raised to be great men. I think we have a great group of young men in this community. But there are too many cases of male failure, and we need to recognize this. And we're talking about it this morning 
because I think that it would be something the women would appreciate. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is, a, in fact, all of 1 and 2 Timothy are books written by Paul, Shaul, okay, and really focusing on Timothy, his son in the faith. But there's no indication Shaul had a son. And so Timothy was for him a son in every sense. Someone he cared deeply for, someone he wanted to see maximize their life. And so we get an example, we get insight, uh, not just that's theological, but that's very practical for Timothy and for us. And uh, if there's one thing I want to challenge us, uh, us with this morning, is that the world needs spiritually committed and maturing men. The world needs us to be spiritually maturing as men and just growing up as men. doesn't matter how old we are. We need to be maturing, spiritually committed to benefit our world. That's what God wants us to do. But do we qualify and do we seek to qualify? So when we take a look at the text, we're going to begin by looking at verse 11, where we look at the, 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 really the emphasis on this is that as men, we need to be pursuing godliness. So real men pursue godliness. It says, but you, O man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life, which you were called to it. Uh, eternal life, you were called to it, and you made the good confession for it in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you before God, who gives life to all things, and before uh, Messiah Yeshua, who testifies the good confession before Pontius Pilate, to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. This he will reveal in his own time, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in an approachable light, whom no man has seen or is able to see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Here in verses 11 through 16, we see Paul's challenge to us. Real men pursue godliness. Because godliness is God's challenge and call for us, for all men, to pursue God, to know Him, and to live godly lives. A lot of really exciting man-type, male-type words we have in this section. It says, flee sin. Get up and run away from sin. Run as fast as you can. Flee sin. But it says, pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. When I think about that, think about the pursuit Think about, think about anybody here hunted? Anybody here, besides Todd last spring, it's all the way in the back. You've hunted probably, right? Yeah. I have hunted. I have hunted. When I was a kid, I hunted with a BB gun. Uh, but I went out a couple times hunting grouse. All right? And you have to go out. And you have to be very intentional. And you have to be patient. And you have to be absolutely committed. Pursuing righteousness doesn't just happen, <laughs> okay? You have to be intentional for it. You have to really want it. I really wanted a grouse, and I didn't get a grouse because my buddy killed them all before I got there. But I wanted one, and I was going to pursue it. That's an action word. What else does it say in this text? It says, this text says, fight. Fight the good fight. Anybody here ever been in a fight? Uh, Hannah's been in a fight. Any of you guys been in a fight? I know you've fought with, uh, you've fought with Sam, right? Anybody here ever boxed? Anybody? You know, when I, you know, I used to fight. I mean, 
I used to fight with my brother. I got in a couple of fights at school. You know, when you fight, you have to, you know, you've got to be aggressive or the other guy's going to kill you. I got in a fight with the guy in the band room or from the band room when I was in junior high. And the guy knew how to fight. He, did, he knew how to kickbox as a seventh, seventh grader. And if I did not fight back, I would be, you know, I would I would have gotten really hurt. So, you know, I fought to defend myself. When it says fight the good fight, what he is saying here is defend yourself. Fight what is going to hurt you. Now think about it. Some of you guys have phones in your hands. Your phone is a sewer. It can be a source of information, gentlemen. But that's, that phone can be quite a sewer. If you don't fight the sewer, if you don't fight what are the bad influences, they will overwhelm you. You have to fight. You have to determine that you are going to live a certain way and you're, you're going to walk a certain way. We need to pursue righteousness. Like we're hunting for something we desperately want. But we have to fight against that which is evil in this world, which is just about everything, Okay. We have to maintain and grow our purity of mind, body, and soul. One thing I challenge all you guys to think about is this whole issue of porn. What do you do to make sure you don't fall into it? And if, you, if you're trapped by it, what are you doing to get help? You know, the one thing I read a statistic that a lot of young people today don't know, have, don't know how to, uh, to have normal marital relations because their lives are ruined by porn. You know, you don't, you don't want to get involved in that junk, all right? So if you have issues with it, you need help. You can talk to me if that seems awkward. You can talk to somebody else. Get help. Make sure you're pursuing righteousness and fight the good fight. And he says, take hold in the text. Take hold, all right? You know, uh, you know I, I always, when, I say, when I think about taking hold, you ever seen those movies where somebody's walking on and he slips on the edge of a cliff? And he's dangling by something. He grabs whatever he can to hold on. You know, God has thrown us a lifeline in this world. You know, men, do you hold on to God's lifeline for your life? You know, or uh, there's, you ever, you ever see those movies? You know, they're always the action movies. You know, uh, there was uh, that Mission Impossible movie where the guy, uh, you know, tries to sneak onto a plane and then the plane takes off. Uh, the, the Scientology dude, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, and so he's holding on, and you know, how do you hold on to your faith? Do you hold on to your faith? Do you hold tight to it? You know, the one thing that's going on in this world is everything wants to discourage you in your faith. Everything wants to discourage you in everything that has to do with God. You know, the world in which we live is trying to squeeze us into its mold. If you're not willing to hold on to God and his expectations for you, you're in trouble. Your life will, will ultimately at some point will shipwreck. I know a number of people whose lives have shipwrecked because they have not hold on tightly enough to God in his ways. They have not taken it seriously. And then they have fallen into sin and their lives have been terribly damaged. And in the case of some people, destroyed. We need to hold on. We need to keep on. We need to be tenacious to fulfill what it is that God wants for us. Because you know, in the end, that's all that matters, right? Remember that commercial years ago at the Super Bowl commercial? I think it was by Munster. 
you know, all these kids are saying how they want to grow up in different ways, and the one kid, it's all mediocrity. And the one kid says, I want to grow up and be in middle management, <laughs> you know. And in that time when the movie was shown, those of you who remember the commercial, those of you who saw it, you know that America was shedding all the middle management, you know. If you definitely wanted to lose a job and have no career, you would go into middle management. How many of you want to succeed in life? Anybody want to succeed in life? If you want to succeed in life, you better desire God's will for your life. You better think about God's ministry for your life. Maybe that's in engineering and running a business. As I look at Todd back there. Or in finance. Or in drama and acting. And different, you know. It's amazing what God's ministry for you could be. But are you tenacious to fulfill it? So many men, too many men are not. Too many men are flipping and flopping. They've got no direction for themselves. Let that not be said of you. Let not that, let not that be said of me. Verse 17. Actually, we're going to start. Take a look at verse 6. Take a look at verse 6. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, so we cannot take anything out of it. But having food and clothing with these things, we shall be content. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some longing for it have gone astray from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And then verse 17, Direct those who are rich in this present age not to be proud or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Direct them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, sharing, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the future so they might take hold of true life. Not only do real men pursue godliness, real men provide for others. You know how many young men, Jewish young men that I've talked to, who are worthless, worthless. They don't provide for anybody. They're living at home, the old joke, living at home in their mother's basement, living off their parents, or in some cases, single mothers, in their 20s. <laughs> One case in an early 30s. That's not God's plan for your life. I know, I mean, you use it like you love your sons. But when they move out, are you going to feel bad? Well, kind of. But... If they move out because they've got good jobs, because they're making forward movement in life, that makes mothers happy. We have to understand our responsibility as men is to provide. You have a mother who needs help, your obligation is to help her as best you can. All right? If you are married, you need to provide. Doesn't mean your wife can't work too, you know, I'm not saying that, but. The scriptures are clear. As men, we are to provide and care for others. We are to be generous. Seeking wealth here is not a problem. It's what you do with it. Some people are greedy with a dollar. Some people are greedy with a million dollars. Are you greedy? I'm looking around the room. I don't see any millionaires. But if you're greedy with a dollar and you say, God, give me a million dollars, I won't be greedy... Forget it. You'll be greedy with a million. I've met people when they had nothing, they were greedy and stingy. And then as they got more money, they were just as greedy and stingy. Men, we are to be generous. We are to share and provide with others. We need to be serving others. We need to remember that the things that we have
God only allow us to serve God to benefit others as we look forward to the kingdom of God, as we look forward to seeing what God will do. I want to read a quote. There's a fellow named John D. Rockefeller. Anybody ever heard of John D. Rockefeller? Wealthy man, right? Standard oil, correct? He was a believer. Now, I know he got busted up, but that was back in, in the days of monopolies. But listen to what, what he said. This is a quote from 1906, and it's random reminiscences of men and events. He says, I know of nothing more despicable and pathetic than a man who devotes all the hours of the waking day to the making of money for money's sake. He was a businessman, but if you think about it, Rockefeller did a lot of giving away of his money too, okay? And uh, in the making of money, you know, what was it? What was, there was a quote a friend of mine used to always say, uh, what was uh, some oil guy in Texas? So he was a very fabulously wealthy guy, and someone asked him, how much more, need, more money do you need? He says, one dollar more. If all you do is live for the money, then your perspective is completely wrong. If God blesses you with resources because you're working hard, that's great. I tell business people, do business, you know, make money. Be a good salesman, you know. I, I have no problem with it. But if your perspective is only your own interests, then you are despicable and pathetic. Another quote from John D. Rockefeller, this at the end of his life in 1928. He says, I believe it is a religious duty to get all the money you can fairly and honestly, to keep all you can, and to give away all you can. That's right. That's right. You make money, you should be tithing. God has blessed you, tithe, give back to God. At least 10%. It's a good number. I'm, you know, I, I always hear Jason Moraff, if you were here when he gave a study once about money, you know, about tithe. the tithe is not really the key in the new covenant. It's really generosity. So you can give 90%. It's okay with me. But if you need a number to help you, 10% works well to give back to God a portion. But then to think about how you can be generous toward others. People in need. When you go out to a restaurant, are you always trying to save that 50 cents when the bill gets cut? Okay? Or are you the one who generously throws in an extra buck or two into the pot? All that's attitudinal, but it really goes into the heart of who we are. If we are generous, it comes out in how we use our money and what we do with our money. As men, if we want to be real men, we will provide for others. Finally, take a look at verses 20 and 21. Verses 20 and 21, it says, Oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Turn away from pointless chatter and the contradictions of so-called knowledge. By professing it, some have missed the mark concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Real men keep their faith commitments. Real men keep their faith commitments. He uses two words here. Guard what's been entrusted to you. Guard what's been entrusted to you. Our life for God is a trust that we need to guard. Alan Zemsky last night reminded me of a, of a friend, a fellow I haven't seen for several years. He's a Jewish guy, not a believer in Yeshua. He's in the area. And uh, when he was a young man, he was hit by a truck. He was in high school, hit by a truck. And it affected him. He's not all there, 
okay? And yet he's gone on to live life the best he can. We do not control. I think David Barker mentioned this last night. We do not control our lives. Did you mention, didn't you mention it? There are no guarantees you're going to go home and sleep in your bed tonight. Not one guarantee. No one can promise you that. I mean, right now, a meteor could fall and we'd all be dead. Do you realize that? There are these random realities. I was watching a video of a buddy of mine. Uh, <laughs> Todd knows the story. He owns a car wash. He walks in to look at, at the car wash, and the, then the roof caves in. He's okay. I mean, he didn't get hurt, but the roof caves in. That's random. Yeah, life can get random sometimes. Are you trusting in God? Are you guarding what God has given to you? If you are not guarding what God has given to you, you, you will lose your effectiveness for God. You will lose your effectiveness for God. Timothy, oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Each one of you, guard what has been entrusted to you, what God has called you to do, what God desires to do through you, whether it's Tony right here or Bob Barrett in the back, picking the youngest or the oldest here. Oh, that's Jim. Jim, you're old. Sorry, Bob. Jim. Guard what has been entrusted to you. Because you know what's amazing? Whether you are Tony or Jim or anywhere in the middle, God has stuff for you to do. He has specific things for you to do. God is not into age discrimination. You, you, you don't ever retire in his book. He has stuff for you to do. Guard what it is. Part of this goes back to what we talked about in terms of godliness. If there's stuff for you to do, and you're messing around, you're cheating on your taxes, you're spending half the night watching porn, you're at war with everybody around you, including your family members, how are you guarding what God has for you to do? You're not. Second thing he says, he says, turn away from pointless chatter and the contradictions to so-called knowledge. I want to focus on the pointless chatter part. Our life for God should be lived wisely to avoid wasteful uh, activities. Now, I am not saying here you can't play video games. How many of you play video games on a daily basis? Be honest. Honesty. Okay, we can see right here in the front. Okay, video games are prominent. Guys, oh, I saw in the back. Video games in and of themselves are not sin. I read the Wall Street Journal religiously. It's not my religion, but I read it every day as much as I can. But if video games or reading the Wall Street Journal or whatever it is that we do becomes really just a waste of time, meaning it begins to take, take ridiculous amounts of time, doesn't fit into an intentional life. If you stay up all night to play video games or watch TV and suddenly you can't get up and come to services or you can't do well in school or you're falling asleep on the job, then suddenly you're not living wisely. You're being frivolous. God does not want us to live a frivolous life. Isn't that amazing? God has work for you to do. You need to guard it. That means that you can't be frivolous. You need to take your life seriously. If you're employed, are you working to better yourself in your employment? Are you, if you're young enough and you have the interest and you want to take advanced education and training to do better at your work, are you taking advantage of those opportunities? 
so that you can continue to fulfill God's mission for your life? Or are you wasting your time watching TV? You know, I mean, Eric can give testimony right now of frivolity, right? Before he was a believer, before he, he gave his life over to the Lord. If you remember him back then, those are the dread days. And he can share the pointlessness of all of that. But God saved him and God transformed him. And God gave him a whole new life with a real mission to accomplish. Men, God wants us, and women, God wants us to live lives of meaning and purpose. We need to live wisely, though. I'm going to read the last part of this illustration, of this, this reading, because he, re, he says a couple of more things that I think is important. Confusions regarding manhood abound, including confusion about a proper understanding of virility. <laughs> Fathers are missing from boys' lives in devastatingly high numbers. Children are exposed to a dizzying array of cultural signals about what it means to be a man, signals both good and bad. Our society is moving forward so rapidly that it has forgotten much good from the past, and women are beginning to take the place of men in many ways. Men need to be involved in the lives of their children. If you, as a, as a father, do not spend significant amounts of time with your children, you are leaving your children at risk. Remember, I read once that the typical father spends five minutes a day talking to his kids. Five minutes a day. Not enough time. Not enough time even to get into an argument. As Hannah Rosen, this other person who's an author, points out in her seminal article, The End of Men, women have now surpassed men in several categories that reflect economic and cultural standing. In American colleges, for every two men who graduate with a Bachelor of Arts degree, three women receive a B.A. Women now dominate 13 of the 15 job categories expected to grow the most in the coming decade. This has led some to ask, do we even need men? You know there's a rising movement of professional women who want children and have not found a decent guy to just have children on their own without having a husband. It is a large enough movement that they're tracking this. And why? Because women who have got their act together aren't finding men with their act together. Now, if you're a single man saying, where are all the good women? I would say to you, open your eyes and see the field. Why not the harvest? But women who are single, young ladies, it's a little more difficult. You have to have high standards and pray like crazy that God will bring the right guy into your life. And those with children, make sure you're raising the men to be men. Men, that whole row right there, okay? So what's the problem? Increasingly, the messages to boys about what it means to be a man are confusing. They mistake the machismo of the street gangs for courage, which it's not. They fill the vacancy left by missing fathers with video games, television, and music. Gay culture, with its flamboyant display, and now everything's crazy with the uh, transgender movement, often challenges traditional masculinity. Hollywood films glorify male characters who refuse to grow up. Anybody seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Stupidest movie. How does it portray men? In fact, if you really think about it, Zoolander, all this stuff, how does it portray men? Very negatively. A lot of the TV shows portray men as not having their act together. Is that how we want to portray manhood? Absolutely not. I encourage us not to see that stuff. 
really because it's not helping us to move forward, nor will it help society move forward. Too many men today treat women like toys, easily discarded when things get complicated. There was also a, a horrific article I read in regards to, to middle school sex. <laughs> middle school sex, okay? Sounds like, be careful. But how, how, how there's so much porn among the kids in that age group that they start sexually interacting and, it, and it's like you're hearing testimonials by 7th, 8th grade girls about the devastation of their sexual experiences because of the, these guys are just acting on pornography. I mean, guys, we're living in a broken world and the men are treating the women with no respect whatsoever. Through all these different and conflicting signals, our boys must decipher what it means to be a man and for many of them, it is harder to figure out. That's why we need to be men. We need to model what it means. We need to encourage it within our community toward one another and those who are older and younger than us. We need to fight back against this culture and send our boys and young men a clear and achievable message of what it means to be a man. The founding virtues, industriousness, marriage, and religion are still the basis for male empowerment and achievement. It may be time to say to a number of our young men, get off the video games five hours a day. Pull yourself together along with your pants, pulling them up. Get a challenging job and get married. It's time to bring back men. And so my final challenge, the world needs spiritually committed and maturing men. Do you qualify? Do you qualify? Are you a spiritually maturing, committed man? Do you desire that for yourself? Hopefully you desire that. Even you, Michael Ginsburg, desire that for yourself. Because it will leave you blessed by the Lord. And your mother wants you to be blessed by the Lord, right? Yeah. So, some practicals. And this is on your sheet. If you're looking at it. Desire to be an example before others. Desire to be an example before them. Desire to be an example before others. I know that's tough. But accept it. Desire to be that example to those around you, especially your children, in your work, in your school, in your neighborhood, in this synagogue. Don't be obsessed with money. Do not be obsessed with money. And that means that all you're after is just a few dollars more. Be responsible with what you got, even if you don't got a lot. Be responsible with what you got and generous with what God has given to you. Learn to budget if you don't know how to budget. And, uh, and learn to, to be generous, be, to tithe, to give, to be generous toward others. Pursue godliness and the values of God, both for this world and for the world to come. Only in this will we try and true, find true meaning and purpose in our lives. And might I also say, we'll also really live the best life possible. Really live the best life possible. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the truth of your scripture and the challenge of it. Help us, God, to be like Timothy and to listen to Paul, what Shaul has to say. I pray, God, that we as men and all of us here early this morning would pursue godliness, that we would fight the good fight, that we'd be willing to be generous with all that we have, that we would be your people fulfilling your vision and mission for our lives, that Messiah Yeshua will be glorified, and that all those around us will have hope because they can see the example and testimony of our lives. I pray all this in Yeshua's name.